into the moth light. This time on Into the Moth Light, we're featuring the work of Exploding Cinema. Exploding Cinema was founded in 1991 in a bunker at the back of a squat. At the time, it was a gathering of media misfits rejected by the independent film and video establishment, who decided that, rather than griping about the state of the industry, they would stage their own screenings in cafes, pubs and disused buildings, and would set about fusing together the isolated and disenchanted fragments of the underground media. Still going strong, they run regular open screenings in various locations across London for filmmakers who want an audience for their work. They fully subscribed to the idea of open access screenings where anyone can show films regardless of subject matter, taste or filmmaking ability. As long as it's under 20 minutes long, they will show it. I met with veteran members of the collective Adam Hodgkins and Ben Stottover, along with their newest member, Becca Payne, and talked to them about the early days of Exploding Cinema, the events they run in London, and how they programme the screenings given their non-rejection policy and the huge number of submissions they receive. And remember, you can find information, links, videos and images on our website at intothemothlight.com. Into the Mothlight. Uh, my name's Ben. I've been with Exploding for 20 years. Adam, I've been with Exploding since about 2007, 2008, I think. Hi, I'm Becca. Um, I've been with Exploding Cinema for a month. What was going on in London in 1991 that led to the formation of the, the collective and what are your recollections of those early shows that you attended? Well, I think that there was a huge kind of DIY scene that was coming out of art with the YBAs in terms of kind of warehouse art and also with music scene like the acid house scene and so forth. There was, I guess, like a movement for kind of reclaiming space to do things. Exploding Cinema back when it started was one of many such groups most of which now have either just uh, died or they've turned into legitimate things such as film festivals or what have you I was thinking of, of, on a slightly different tack which is the profusion of, of film clubs and stuff was kind of made possible by technology because mm -hmm. you had suddenly had video projectors which could be carried around and set up quickly and so you could feasibly rent out any space and quite easily, cheaply get a video projector in and have a show, whereas before it was all film projectors and cinemas. Also, video cameras were much more available and artistic people, filmmakers, they didn't have to raise money anymore to make a film. There was this huge outpouring of, of films that people were making. And we were, in, the, in the old days, we were getting on um, films submitted on VHS tape and occasional Super 8. I found that very exciting. I bought, I had a video projector, which because I ran a different film club, and um, I suddenly I've, I was much in demand with the projector. <laughs> I came with the projector. <laughs> <laughs> 
And what are your, your memories of these um, early events that you were attending in, in the early 90s? So where, where were these um, events taking place? Can you remember the sort of work that was popular um, in, in that circuit in 1991, 1992? first show I went to was in 1994. Um, I can't speak for before that. I've heard they were pretty legendary. But in 94, the first show I went to was in what's now Farringdon Station in a place called IHAC, which is an acronym for something I can't remember, but International Humanitarian Site. Anyway, it was in all these like underground arches inside the station, which is an incredible location, and they filled them all with with projectors and stuff. They were and and what the film that really raised the roof that night was made by a guy called Arthur Lager, who became a bit of a legend in the in the independent film scene in London. Um, Arthur unfortunately died a few years ago in Cambodia mysterious guy but he showed a film which was basically two um, stop motion animations on Super 8 projected simultaneously on the same screen that he stood beside and played bongos um, these giant floors are they the bongos the big floor mounted ones and so both these projectors running at the same time he had to shout from the stage okay run roll the projectors plural and so you got these overlaid images of just crazy scenes like a, a mutilation of Barbie dolls and all sorts of nut, nutty stuff while he just played the bongos with one eye on the screen and just rose it all to a crescendo and, and the audience went crazy and I thought I have to join these guys if any which way I can so it took them about five years to get the tap on the shoulder mm-hmm. um, but yeah so that, that was that kind of thing you, that you couldn't organise that in a cinema um, without it being like I don't know some very I don't know staid kind of art performance, mm. but at the time it was like it was the, it was the filmmaking equivalent of an illegal rave. You know? <laughs> I think that what kind of most uh, stood out for me was uh, just the diversity in those early shows. There was clearly stuff being made by art folk, even though the movement itself was kind of an anti-art thing. Uh, and there was some kind of more narrative stuff. Uh, one show at the Oval in around 97, they were projecting through pieces of gauze, and and so there were layers of film. And that's a technique that I've seen now, I guess, many times, but that was the first time I'd seen something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just uh, very exciting. And at that time, I was running, OK, like a proper cinema and I basically stole some of the exploding cinema ideas and put them on as part of like a subsidiary events mm-hmm. of the main screen inside my cinema, like a cafe space, and then uh, get local filmmakers to show their films there. And I was completely just stealing the idea from exploding cinema. <laughs> and here you are still. Yeah, I figured that I should actually, I guess, kind of return the favour and actually become part of the group. So you all give up your time, and as a result of that, you put on these events with these these um, amazing zero-budget shorts, the element of performance, um, experimental film, moving image film, and... You know, I know from past experience running these events takes a lot of time. So why is it important for you to give up your time and give um, artists uh, a platform to have the work shown and then also uh, give a, an audience the chance to, to see work that they might not have seen otherwise? I think that would go back to really the importance of creativity for me and the importance of 
me being able to share something and the privilege of getting that scene and to have it seen in an environment where people are supportive um, it's non-judgmental it's encouraging you're doing something really empowering and to be able to give that experience to other people and to share in their work is it's pretty profound in some ways because it's like you're enabling each other and you're enabling each other not for profit not for fame not for not for anything else but for creativity and like the reasons people do art or or want to exist in the world and and I think yeah that why else why wouldn't you um what a thing to give up your time for and to believe in exactly so uh, as the newest member um so you just had your film shown recently so what was it like attending that event and actually uh, seeing your work projected in, in that environment uh it was quite um it was a it was a very personal film I made and it was really terrifying and it's actually a film um, that I find quite painful <laughs> painful to watch um, because it is so personal um, and still emotive to me mm-hmm. and um, I had agreed to do a Q&A afterwards and I did want to do that but um, to be able to have a space where that was seen and then answer questions about it, be asked questions about it um, and do that all while terrified was incredibly liberating, um, empowering and uh, meaningful. So, yeah. And um, to have it done uh, when people were kind and, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was really special. Into the moth light. Into the moth light. I think the social aspect of it is is is, is great. It's what keeps us all sort of plugging away for uh, for to volunteer for it. But in the wider sense of why we should do it, I think um, I saw an interview once with Shane Meadows, and uh, he said. Back in his day, it was hard to get hold of a camera. You had to get money together. You had to get people together, you had to get experts together. You know, if you wanted to film anything, it was hard to even film it. And he said that now with with video, he said the drawbridge is down. You know, that's not the bottleneck anymore. Everyone can make can can make something. But what what the bottleneck was after was distribution. Uh, and then with the internet, of course, everyone can just put their stuff straight onto Vimeo, YouTube. Everyone can watch every short film that anyone else has made. But the bottleneck now is is exhibition. Mm. Um, and I think because we have this this um, open access policy where we show every film that we're sent, uh, which is pretty much the core of our being, as long as it's not more than 20 minutes, and that's just for logistical reasons to get as many into a show as possible, so under 20 minutes, we'll, we'll show everything. We're completely open access. We won't judge your film, but we will put it amongst other films that will enhance it. So I think that's 
really important for emerging filmmakers or even people who aren't filmmakers but have made a masterpiece and would never have it shown or never even think of showing it sending off to a festival oh it's also free to submit to us as well unlike a lot of festivals so. <laughs> um, so as you can imagine our waiting list is pretty long because people love this idea that their, their film will get shown to an audience and as, as Becca um, said you know for the filmmaker it can be quite a salutary experience where they realise looking at it on a big screen with big sound system oh my god my sound is shit you know, like, and yeah, they didn't realise on their com- there, yeah, yeah on their computer speakers that uh-huh. there's like so some people have come up and they've all been embarrassed and say look I'm really sorry about you couldn't hear what the actors were saying and you know but we'll we tr- we try and you know we treat all the filmmakers as kindly as possible you know especially those for whom it's like they've spent so much time beavering away on their film it might be a very personal film like Becker's but suddenly it's thrown out to the audience and they're in the audience and they can come up and talk about it afterwards for some filmmakers it, they look like all their birthdays have come at once they, they just absolutely love it you can't stop them from jumping up there and talking about it and then you can't shut them up sometimes so. um, but I think that's, that's why it's important that we do it I think we, we, we are one of the few open access screens like this in the country and we're certainly the longest running and we're the only one who does the psychedelic um, visuals show as well as part of the, uh, the screening. I am interested in a community of interest and I, I am interested that within that community or collective that there is a peer approach to, to sharing knowledge and sharing skills. So is there a sense of that happening throughout the collective as well? That you, you, each member brings something else? People do come in to the collective knowing nothing about projection or, or, or cutting up, like photocopying stuff onto acetate sheets or splicing a Super 8 film together. And they'll, they'll learn all of that just doing shows with us. And we try not to get into a rut where only one person knows how to operate a certain thing mm-hmm. or do a certain job or someone just keeps doing the same job because they're good at it. We try and spread, spread the ignorance uh, and, and cure it. And as a result of being part of this collective and organising so many events and seeing so much fresh work, does that have an impact on your own practices? I think um, any form of art or... I'm new to filmmaking, um, but for me, like the whole journey into it and continuing it has been all about giving myself permission to do it. Mm-hmm. And the more and more I see other people take risks or um, uh, transgress boundaries or just give it a go, that gives me more permission to allow myself to... I don't know, give give more physicality to the things I want to do or maybe the thought I had can go somewhere or maybe it just, yeah, it, it just allows me to be freer in, in, in the things that I want to do and see what's possible. So, yeah, it really does. Now, you mentioned already these um, regular film nights that you put on and, you know, the, the, the fact that we've got the kind of, a sort of psychedelic space with the films and the performance... Um, and for, for those who haven't been, kind of describe the night. So you mentioned maybe sort of 40 projectors. What, what does it look and feel like in the, in the spaces that you take over? An exploded uh, cinema. That's what it looks like. We explode from the screen into the environment that we're in. Mm-hmm. You walk in, um, you pay your six pounds or so. Um, 
you walk into the main room and we have arranged projectors either in a central tower, which we call the Tower of Power, or depending on the space, we've put the, dotted them around in corners on high shelves and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they're video projectors, they're slide projectors, they're sometimes Super 8 projectors, very occasionally a 16mm projector, and lots of these solar lamps, which are these very bright lights which have rotating kind of kaleidoscopic effects in them, like mm. the classic oil wheel, the, the, the Pink Floyd UFO yeah, club yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So those might have been at the UFO club back in the day. They're, some of our projectors are really old. We get given projectors all the time, mm-hmm. especially slide projectors. Our aim is to cover every single inch of walls and ceiling space um, with these projections and if the idea is that if the main screen if the film on the main screen um, is getting a bit crap and with an open access policy sometimes yeah there are a few clunkers um, the audience can then just kind of drift their head over 45 degrees and they can look at Atari game visuals on another screen. Nice. You know, they can, they can look at... The slides projectors are all on timers, so the slides are always changing. We have a, one of the tricks of the trade is we try not to put too many moving images near the main screen. Mm-hmm. So there'll, there'll be mostly static images around the main screen. And then a little bit further back, there'll be just craziness, chaos, you know, just colorful, as trippy as we can possibly get it. And it takes sometimes overlapping. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. We've got we got quite good at setting all that up. It takes about an afternoon to do, and it's we we really look down on on any film club where they just go in with a laptop and play a bunch of films and uh, on one screen and uh, <laughs> deservedly so. We we, we 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 look at those operations with great disdain. Yeah. Plus, it's not just the main room that we decorate. It'll be the corridor down to the main room. It'll, it, it might be the outside of the building. Mm-hmm. We've done a show on a boat once, and we put a huge squid on the outside of the boat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's exploded. Mm-hmm. And how do you incorporate um, performance uh, into that as well? How, so you, do you run some films, have a break, a bit of performance uh, as part of that. How do you like to structure it? Um, It's about an hour and a half of films and then about half hour break during which there's a performance and then another block of films, about Mm -hmm. another hour and a half. It's about an hour, two hours total running time of films but with the Q&As and the intros it goes to a half an hour, an hour and a half per block. So that's, we used to do three blocks of films with two intervals, but we usually, we found that too many of our audience were leaving during the second interval. So uh, we, we, yeah, we, we reduced that to one interval to stop, stop the bastards from getting out. You yes. know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but live performers, um, if they have a projection or a, 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 some sort of visual aspect to their performance, all the better. We're very, very uh, broad-minded. We'll show, we'll let people do pretty much anything as long as it's in 20 minutes and doesn't cost more than 30 quid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we get offers all the time from people to do stuff, and it's usually some pretty crazy stuff. Um, well, not usually, but it's, it's always interesting. We had someone at the last show with a hammer dulcimer, an amazing instrument, uh-huh. where you hit these strings with hammers, and she did a whole thing with the whole looping thing where she does one part loops it plays another part with the hammer dulcimer and and singing as well that was that was an amazing act the venues that you use because obviously if you're spending half a day setting up and transforming a place into this exploded cinema how do you go about sourcing these venues and building up a, a relationship with them um, bar owners for example that are going to let you in and run these crazy events uh, for a long time, venues were a real problem. Um, every 
cool place in sort of central London was just getting completely uh, shut down, priced out of the market, uh, turned into a dance club. Um, and of course, with our specific requirements, we have to have a very sympathetic venue owner who will let us come in early, put projectors everywhere and set, set all our stuff up. Um, but we have been lucky enough to have a couple of really good regular places in London, the Cinema Museum and the Horse Hospital. Um, but we're going. We're doing a show on um, in Hastings soon, and possibly one in Margate in the autumn. Um, so yeah, we we do get approached so every so often by a venue person who say, or someone will know someone. So I went to a gig at this amazing place. You should check out this place. Your policy of showing anything as long as it's under 20 minutes and I love the idea that it's open access I think that ties in really nicely with that kind of punk and DIY approach to to, to making art and making things happen but um, you've also said that you know there are times when they're, they're, I think it was your word, Ben. They're just crap, and I expect there's possibly some some controversial work that happens to get shown as well. So, how do you balance out that um, you know element of creative freedom um, against you know work that might kind of cause offence somehow? So, usually the last film of the night is is where we put the extreme stuff that might doesn't happen so often, no, does no, it? Ver- but it has happened. Yeah, and and we really leave it to the audience okay to decide and when it has happened the audience basically tear the film apart and we feel that we are vindicated mm-hmm. yeah, there was a film we showed recently as soon as the film ended someone shouted fucking shit like <laughs> just yelled out at the screen uh-huh. I mean that was at the end of the night you'd have probably had a couple of beers but Possibly. but yeah but we we loved that yeah. <laughs> if someone's yeah. that you know sure. angry angered by a film but um, much more often it's the film is, is dull than offensive mm-hmm. uh, unless you're offended by dull films but yeah but sometimes it's a film that's that's eight minutes long and after two minutes you say yeah I get the point I yeah. see what you're doing it's a nice two minute film don't stretch it out to eight minutes but you know but people yeah there are films that are over long but it's all in the creative programming like you don't put two long abstract films next to each other you know if you if you if someone submitted a quick one minute funny little drama with one joke you know that's great that'll break up some of the more you know some of the more arduous films or serious films so it's all in creative programming um like you wouldn't put two music videos one after the other and it's amazing how much better a film can be when it's a contrast from the previous film we've never really had a a problem where we've said look we've all of our submissions are crap we're going to put on such a bad show you know that never happens i mean there'll be a one or two where I'll talk to someone and say, That's, that, I hated that film. And then they'll say, what are you talking about? It was the best film of the night. <laughs> so, which, is, which is really the point in that you, when you come to an exploding cinema film, uh, show, you'll see films that didn't get screened anywhere else. So you have no idea what you're going to see. And um, very often you'll see uh, something that you would, you would never have seen anywhere else at any, any festival or anything because you're not looking at it through someone else's um, filter of their own taste. 
you're not watching a curated show with films that one one or two people think you should see you know you're seeing the raw output of the creative masses out there you know I, I sometimes likened it to a stock ticker of 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 creative film creative endeavor some people have bring us the film on a stick and say I just finished rendering this five minutes ago this mm-hmm. is like hot off the press literally and at a festival might there might be several months between the film being made and being shown yeah so tell me about that curatorial process so if you've got 20 minutes um, HD black and white footage of a forest a show killer we call a it. show killer yeah. and <laughs> then the, inevitably there's going to be something with a lot of plinky plonky piano or sad cello all the way through it as well and um, then you might have you know a, a really sort of personal work that someone's just made that is actually you know reached a, a really good standard and um, so how do you go about as a collective working out are we going to have an order for the night or is it just names out of hat I'm interested yeah, in that process yeah. it basically comes down to the programmer mm-hmm. and the programmer makes the okay makes those decisions and the programmer is bearing in mind the flow of the evening is bearing in mind the kind of work that they okay that's in the queue there's a lot of creativity that comes within being the programmer yeah we rotate the job of programmer there's not one person whose job is but that person's really the the sort of the 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 boss of that particular show and Mm. it does happen that we try to show films in the order in which they were submitted sometimes you know as programming you think well I, I you know I can't show that that's a piece of crap I'll leave that for the next person <laughs> you know put it in their show so so sometimes there is a bit of creative selection but but in the order in which we'll show the films but every show every film will eventually get shown. I, I can honestly say that, that every single film that I looked at it went in the show last time I didn't pick and choose but I did uh, basically choose the order in which they were coming and sometimes that was because it was the order that I wanted and other times it was because uh, for example the final film in the programme was I guess quite long and I wasn't sure that we'd have time for it and that filmmaker was not going to be with us that night so I put it at the very end because I wasn't sure we'd have time to show it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but as a programmer I wouldn't have done that because it didn't fit with the flow that I had in mind Collectives come and go Um, politics always plays a part Um, personalities are involved they they do implode and that's the end of it Um, what is it about this particular collective and project that it's, it's still running and with you know members that have been here 20 years or, or, or more? I mean, partly because the people who... OK, the, everyone who's running Exploding Cinema now, effectively running it, is, did, was not there at the very beginning. Yeah. It's, um, but we've stayed friends with a lot of the old guard. They come to shows as kind of like upper house uh, people who, who, mm-hmm. who, who are there, you know, on... on, on because they're friends and we've we've become friends yeah and so so we in a way that's that's at the root of it i think the reason why i've gone so long is that we 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 got past the early days where no one knew each other and and now we you know and we we're always welcoming new people in if they don't fit with the group they tend to just sort of fall to one side and you know we've had some total maniacs turn up <laughs> and and stay with us for a couple of shows 
uh-huh. and and or even one show and um, and you know it, we're all looking at each other like I, I don't think this is guys a stayer you know <laughs> this or someone who who asked to be paid at the end of the show as well because okay. didn't quite get what we were about missed a point yeah 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 so uh-huh. it's it's been an organic thing I think I think a lot of us I mean now at this point it's been running for so long that we think we can't possibly stop because because mm. then something it'll be like something good stopping. And if you're interested in submitting a film, attending a screening, or joining the collective, you'll find links, images, and information on their website at intothemothlight.com. Until next time, goodbye. Into the Mothlight.